Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from Denver, Colorado. This is Oilers Now, and we will tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Now open for lunch, Monday through Friday, 11.30 a.m., Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. It's a Tuesday, normally on the road. We do a half-hour segment with Spec, but today we're going to go full hour because we've got a lot to hit to. And uh, Stopper Inspector brought to you by Alberta Horse Racing Alberta and the 7,000 men and women that work in the Alberta horse racing industry. Mark Spector, how are you? Oh, doing pretty well. Bobby, how's it going down there? Now, you're in Denver, Colorado, correct? Yeah, well, that's, that's who the orders are playing tonight. So, yes, I am in Denver. So does that mean that I noticed you played some John Denver off the top, but I would think for the next 24 hours you would be Bob Denver, which... I could just take a shortcut and just call you Gilligan from here off the rest of this interview. Is that fair? Uh, is that really appropriate based <laughs> on my current build? Wouldn't I be? And, and really, when it, when it comes to our relationships, Beth, just make no mistake, I'm the skipper and you're Gilligan. Yeah. So no, For the rest of this interview, I'm calling you my little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, was that one of your favorite shows growing up as a kid? Oh, come on. Who didn't come home from school and watch Gilligan's Island? I once I, I recently heard someone describe their age as I am came home from school at noon to watch the Flintstones years old. So yes. that tells you about how old you and I are. And when you when you're that age, you also came home after school to watch Gilligan's Island and the Partridge Family, and among others. Correct. I I love those shows. Uh, and for the record, I am a total Marianne guy over Ginger. What about you? Yeah, I was Marianne guy too. What about Betty and Wilma? Probably yeah, you know, I really never got into that whole thing. If that is your thing, like, I'm learning, the, you know, I, I think we've both come to the realization, Mark, and I don't want to speak for you, but uh, the older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. You know what I mean? And you get, I, I'm getting, you know, from a social perspective, uh, I, I'm certainly more left than I once was, but right on the fiscal perspective, which often gets us in a, a little bit of a challenge. And, and that's ironic, because we're going to talk about a guy today who's always had a lot of opinion. Uh, and it hasn't, you know, and, and you're always entitled to your opinion. Um, and he was a really interesting, uh, he is an interesting guy. And we're talking about former Edmonton Oilers captain Andrew Ferentz. And for full disclosure, I've repeatedly stated on this show that it's unfortunate that the Oilers did not get Andrew Ferentz at 28 instead of 34. But if Andrew Ferentz had been a free agent at 28, I think he would have had more options. And I think that when he was 34, he got quite the sweetener to come to Edmonton. And uh, and on that note, uh, pertaining to his comments... And you and me have listened to Elliot Friedman's 
and Jeff Merrick's uh, 31 Thoughts podcast. There's some pretty interesting comments on it. It's been the water cooler topic over Edmonton. I would say a couple things just before we get to the clips. Number one, everyone's entitled to their opinion. He's entitled to his opinion. Number two, you know, uh, Mark, as you know, we've had Wayne Gretzky around the team a lot the last three years. Bumped into Mark Messier on the road, Jason Smith, uh, Connor McDavid's the current captain. There's four captains right there. I've never heard them say or infer anything negative about teammates of theirs in the past. So, and I've had a lot of conversations with a couple of those guys. So it's a pretty, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. So just before we get to the nuts and bolts of what he said, give me a quick uh, perspective from your angle, Mark. Well, Andrew Ferentz is a different cat. He's different than all those guys you named. Right? He's far more uh, outspoken. He's, you know, he's he's a worldly guy. He he does not, you know, hockey players are so ninety eight percent of them are cut from the same mold. We see the same guy. We we see players who don't want to stand out from the crowd in hockey. Right? The mantra inside yeah. the culture of hockey is. Don't do things that put you above and away from your teammates. Do the things that make you one of the of the herd of the group. And Ferrance is not that guy, so that's why he's been interesting. I mean, here's a heavy union guy when he played, who now works for the National Hockey League. That alone is uh, a little bit different. Yep. And he continues to give perspectives that, as you point out, Bob, other guys don't give. Uh, and Ferrance is not. He's his own guy, and uh, he says his own things, and you'll never mistake him with someone else, that's for sure. No, that, no, and that's fair, and he's entitled to those opinions. I mean, a lot of people, we've had people text the show about Ferentz and say, well, there's no way you can uh, underscore what he has meant to communities and charities in Edmonton. And I think it's terrific that he does that stuff, but I want you to know that virtually every Oilers player on the team does community oriented stuff. So there's a lot of uh, initiatives. It sort of comes with the territory. We've had Ryan Burke talk about it when he was a GM, that it was absolute must, and it's Glenn Sather put that in yep. place years ago. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is a younger player when Ference was here, I would strongly assert might be quietly the most popular guy on the team, and he does uh, works uh, works with a couple different charities. David's involved with one. They've got they the hockey all charities, right? We they all. all. That's where and we're. you know what? And you know what? There's media guys that are more public with what they do, and there's some other people that are a little bit more private. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what people are living through either. So that's something else to consider. Let's get to some comments from parents. Again, uh, this is courtesy of Sportsnet and Rogers from the 31 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. And this is Andrew Ference, former Oilers captain, on not committing to winning. You know, like, you don't want to rag on me. Like, the, you know, like, we were a bad team. Like, we lost a lot of games. You know, we, we got scored on a ton. But there is a narrative where it's just easy to write about something and stick to it, or whether it's a player or a concept or whatever it is, it's you stick to it and you it's fun to write negative things and rag on it and i'm sure the people that call into the show will just you know have lots to talk about and it makes it easy you know it's an easy easy way to talk about a 
crappy situation. Like I said, you could add any kind of defense or any kind of system, but you know, if you go on a western swing and your guys are out every single night till five in the morning, I mean, you're you're not going to win too many games. All right. Well, that clip is on the uh, Edmonton media ripping on the team. I got to tell you, like this this show is called Oilers Now. This is a, a show that is an Oilers property. Uh, we are often accused by our text line of being too soft on the team. I certainly, I know he, he mentioned, uh, we'll be talking about the Whipping Boys stuff in a second, but he brought up Petrie and Schultz. Um, in both situations, I invoked the Dale Talon line. You don't know what you have with the defenseman until 300 games and preach patience. Uh, now, that i, I, I got to tell you, based on the overall performance of the organization, I personally do not believe that the uh, that the media has been too critical of the organization, Mark. I, I, I've got to say that. I, I, I know Andrew maybe feels that they're, they ripped on the team too much. I work for the organization, and it's pretty simple. When you excel and achieve, you don't get ripped on. And when you don't and you underachieve, you get ripped on. That's kind of how the thing works. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, everyone looks at these situations from their own chair, right? You know, yep. so when you're inside the dressing room and you're an order and you're only an order for a couple of years or three years for a particular window, you don't realize that the guys covering the team have been covering a team that for 20 years or 15 years or, you know, we look down sometimes from 40,000 feet ball at a yep. team that, that admits the playoffs. They were in the midst of missing the playoffs 10 years in a row. Players are only interested in what's going on right that day, that moment. So there's always a disconnect there. They say, geez, you know, there's a guy on this order's team who will remain nameless who says, man, you're so negative. And I go, well, you know, you missed the playoffs 11 out of 12 years. He says, I've only been here for like one or two of them. So I get that, right? We all understand that. There's a disconnect there. And the other thing would be, I would say, with a guy like Schultz, for instance, the organization put him in a terrible spot. They brought him in, they overplayed him, they gave him far too much responsibility. He wasn't ready for it, and he failed as a young player. The organization failed Justin Schultz and put him in a position to not play very well. Well, as a reporter, I just come along and I realize all those things, Bob, but I also am charged with writing about the moment. How did Justin Schultz play tonight? Well, he didn't play very well in a lot of nights here. and. Yeah. I know it wasn't completely his fault. In fact, a lot of it wasn't his fault. But I can't carry Justin Schultz through three months of bad play because the organization's made a mistake. At some point, I have to point out, Justin Schultz isn't playing very well. And that's where Andrew Ferentz says, hey, it was the fault of other people more than Justin Schultz. I understand that, but it doesn't work for me as a writer. All right. Um, You said that the orders put Justin Justin Schultz in a tough position. Do you know who is two primary defense partners were for his early tenure in his career as an oiler? Who? Nick Schultz and Andrew Ferentz. Mm-hmm. Well, I just play minutes. Yeah, well, I don't, you know what, Mark? I didn't have a problem with him playing on the first power play. It's just he had some tough matchups five on five, and he needed to be sheltered in the lineup when we're talking about Justin Schultz. Yeah. And again, if we'd gotten a 28-year-old there, Andrew Ferentz, instead of a 34-year-old Andrew Ferentz, Andrew Ferentz might have been more capable of assisting Schultz in that tradition as a leader, as a captain on the team. Let me ask you this. Did the organization... So let's think of what happened when Ferentz came here, okay? So we had a scenario where Ralph uh, Ralph Kruger was the head coach of the hockey team in the 12-13 year in a lockout short year. 
And Ralph was a positive energy guy and wanted positive people around him. He created standards, not rules, standards for his young players. I think it's safe to say we saw some progression and growth with some of the Oilers' really good young players. Uh, the team was in the playoffs until basically the final quarter of the year when they went up. I remember they went, they went they beat Calgary eight two in Calgary right after the Flames traded again. We're going back to twelve thirteen here, and then they got exposed on a road trip out to Vancouver and then out to California against those big, heavy teams because they weren't ready, because they didn't have the proper support infrastructure built in place to assist those younger guys. This is in 12-13. Decision was made by Mac T as general manager to fire Ralph Kruger. He hired Dallas Akins, who had never been an NHL head coach, and I believe there was a sense that they felt that they needed to uh, change a little bit of the perception around sort of that younger group. And uh, Dallas Eakins was tasked as a head. That's, this is my personal perception, that Dallas was tasked of that. And then Ference, who'd never been a team captain before, comes from Boston on a four-year deal, had never played a game for the Oilers, and he's captain of the team. So I ask you this, Mark. Was Andrew Ference put in a tough spot to be captain, given that scenario? Oh, absolutely. Anyone, you know, you're captaining the, some version of the Titanic back in those years, now that we look back on them. Right, the general. I, well, wait, wait, but but they had a little bit of traction the year before, Mark. Yeah, until they fired the coach for no good reason. They did. Yeah, they did. They had it. They had actual traction under Ralph Kruger, and then fired him for absolutely no good reason over a Skype, think, I might add, do you, and replaced do you think, him with a guy that was completely inexperienced and not ready to do the job. So yes, they had traction, Bob. But when they made well, Ferentz, 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 they had tossed it, all that traction in the trash bin, right? Okay, so Ferentz referred to. Dallas Akins as a quote unquote fantastic coach. Now yeah. you just you just said he was in over his head. I said he was yeah. inexperienced. Was he a fantastic coach in Edmonton? And no, he wasn't ready for the job. And and there again, Andrew Ferris looks at at Dallas Akins from his spot in the dressing room and as his captain and as a guy who was philosophically philosophically aligned with Dallas. And I get all that, you know, that's for sure. And Dallas will coach in the league. And I got some good things to say about Dallas. But at that moment, Dallas did a lot of things wrong. And he was not ready to come in and, and take a team that, frankly, Scotty Bowman couldn't have coached in the playoffs. Dallas Akins was not going to get anywhere with that team. Right? He started off by sending a bunch of letters to players during the summer about how they were going to all of a sudden uh, discover fitness. Right? Because he's the coach, he's going to demand ultimate fitness from his players. Well, I know for a fact that at least one player picked up that letter as he came home from a three- or four-hour session in the gym. So that didn't work well. He walked in the door and was going to rewrite hockey. We're going to be the fittest team in the NHL. Any coach that says that, Bob, as a journalist, I know right there he's full of beads because no one's the fittest team in the NHL. Everybody's fit. You know, then he wasted time talking about media breakfasts, and you know he he did a lot of things wrong. He took on he. I remember when he decided he wasn't going to be on the ice for morning skates, and he came up and sat with the media every day for a while. The dumb thing to do. The media doesn't want you around in that situation, and you shouldn't be sitting with the media in that situation. So he was young, inexperienced, not ready to succeed at that time. I do think he does have a chance to be successful down the road. I think there were some challenges. Uh, and I think that he made a unique decision. As uh, It's funny because somebody said to me, well, the Flyers made Jason Smith the captain. 
uh, and he'd never played for Philadelphia before. And I'm like, yeah, but he had been captain in Edmonton for six years and was on a one-year contract. It was on the last year of his deal. So he went in, bridged the gap until Richards was ready to be captain at Philadelphia, and they made him the captain the next year. The situations were a little bit different. So well, You make the it, point, it, Bob. You make the point. You can't import. You can try to. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a thousand. You can't import culture. Right. You try to do it, and you one guy at a time, you know, you do. If your culture's bad, and listen, that's one of the reasons why success has been so hard to grasp here in Edmonton. They've, the culture got away here and they're still in the in the process of bringing it back they're still doing it it's been probably 13 14 years and they're still trying to build the kind of culture that you would have in the bruins dressing room today well the bruins have chara who's been a norris trophy winning defenseman and patrice bergeron who's been a sulky trophy winning center yep those are their two leaders those are the guys that drove yeah, but they it. Also everybody else followed from, suit. And sure, don't think. And we know that kids. And and we know that Andrew Ference is an opinionated guy on a lot of issues, including some that are social. And you already stated there's some players that don't like touching that. My guess is no, it's not a guess. I have knowledge of the fact that in Boston's room, if that was to occur, somebody would just say, "Hey." chill down a bit you know what i'm saying like that's the sort of room that they had on that it's wonderful for all of the people in uh in the edmonton region and andrew supports some terrific things make no mistake about it but it's not everybody's cup of tea and so acceptance is a two-way street let's go to this on the oilers not commit the clip we had a little bit of a misfire there we played on the edmonton media ripping on the team during ference's stay this again courtesy of 31 thoughts podcast with elliot friedman and jeff merrick by the way jeff merrick is uh very tight to dallas akins so there's a connection there as well here's andrew ference on the oilers of his era his era again it's a completely different time. It's five years removed since Ference has been, uh, you know, legitimately the captain of this team. He hasn't been captain of this team since, what, 14, 15? Because he didn't play, a, you know, he didn't, the last two years of his contract, he wasn't able to live up to due to injury. But uh, here is uh, Ference on the Oilers not committing to winning. The most frustrating part for me as a player, like, like I said, when I went in there straight from Boston, was that you know like talk is cheap you know i went in and you know dallas eakins is a is a fantastic coach there's another whipping boy who got dragged over the coals he's a fantastic coach that was dealt just a pure crap hand in in a in a, in, in a team that would actually listen i mean you had a group of players that talked about how they wanted to make the playoffs and talked about uh, how sick they were of losing, and then you know by game three, after losing six one, they're straight out to the bar till three in the morning. You know, mm. lighten up the nightlife scene in Edmonton. Like, come on, give me a break. You know, like it's it was to the point where it was ridiculous, where the lifestyle was way more important than actually playing the game and making the playoffs. But like I said, talk is cheap. How difficult do you think it was for Ferentz to do the talk, Mark? Given his challenges to compete in a top four role for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, that's isn't that uh, in a nutshell the Oilers' issues for the last you know since 2010. Their best players have always been 19 years old, right? 20 years. Well, old. now their best now their best players are 21 to 26. Right. It's slowly moving up. But the point I'm, I'm trying to make is 
Of course, Andrew Ferentz, and he says in the podcast, he says, hey, I was a 4-5 defenseman. But the culture in that dressing room was your word was only important as, your, as, as good as you were at doing a toe drag. So the culture was awful. And the young guys didn't know enough as to, prob- as to listen to some older guys. And it doesn't matter. Frankly, if Andrew Ferentz is coming out of that Bruins room, I don't care how good he is. I should listen to some of the things he says because he knows how a proper dressing room works. And the Oilers' dressing room was not a proper, well-running place ball. So, yeah, it's hard for him, I guess, to make his point as a 4-5 defenseman, but I would think that the first-line players, if they were smart, they wouldn't care what position he's in. They would say, Andrew Ferentz knows what he's talking about. I should listen to him a little bit. Don't you think? Okay, we got some ranges and some texts here. Real leaders take responsibility for their team and motivate them to believe in each other. That's one text, okay? Um, the Haas says culture change is only happens through evolution. This text comes in, Ference's social issues don't have anything to do with the team being out until 5 a.m. What's with flipping this on Ference? And my point is, I'm actually more philosophically aligned with some of those social issues, my guess, than some of the other people that might be in that room. And if you have a guy, just just think about being in a workplace, and you have somebody that insists that you see, and, and we know he's an opinionated guy, Mark, and you know what hockey culture is like. He's had to go up against some of this. That can be something that becomes a very tenuous situation for guys at times. Would you not agree? I'm sure. Keep yep. going down that road. I'm not sure where it's going. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, uh, you can text us at 630-630. It's 12:56. We've got a wide range. This is this is the uniqueness of the situation. Again, I think Andrew is a highly intelligent person. I think he's got some really unique perspectives. Um, I think he was challenged to lead in his role in Edmonton because it's tough to lead when you're struggling to the degree that he was struggling, being slotted in the spot that he was in. Okay? Um, so, Mark, just uh, we're going to get to one more here coming out of the start in the 1 o'clock. Just if you want to wrap up something, uh, this text comes in out of Kelowna. Don't crucify parents for providing some refresh, re- refreshing honesty, something lacking when players talk to the media. Um, I mean, the, the stuff about the, the funny, would you agree or disagree with this? When teams win, this stuff that Ferentz is talking about doesn't matter. But when teams lose, this stuff gets brought up all the time. Sure, okay. And I'll say to you even one step further that this team could have very likely, uh, you know, gone to church and straight home after every game, and they weren't going to win because the lineup wasn't very good. But I'll also say to you, Bob, if you're not very good and you you need every single edge it takes – to get two points like those old Edmonton Oilers did, probably a, a, a little bit more. If we're taking Andrew Ferentz at his word, and I don't see why we're not, probably you should be professional and be ready to play every single day and more so practice every single day. And that sounds like it might have been an issue. Yeah. You can text us at 630-630. We're going to split along some more points. Uh uh Again, some of you are vehemently supporting Andrew Ferentz. A lot of you who don't like players like uh, uh, Taylor Hall 
are using this to as your own form of a pinata to whack away. Oilers GM has texted the show, Bob, Andrew Ference is irrelevant. I don't think he, he frankly is irrelevant. That's part of the reason why we're talking about him today. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. More on this with a clip about Milan Lucic as well. And then we'll, uh, uh, and then we'll get to the here and now. And again, I don't think what Ference said yesterday is tied to the here and now. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.